0: Hey, this is Pastor Allen. Thank you so much for checking out this message from Praise. Every year in advance of Christmas, we take the four weeks leading up to December 25th and we talk about the four themes of Advent, which are hope, peace, joy, and love. In light of Jesus Christ coming and being among us. I hope that this message and this series is meaningful for you. you. yeah yeah well thank you for pumping the bass on that it wasn't quite the same but it works Uh, as a bumper. It is good to see you today. Those of you who are here, those of you who are joining online today, maybe still traveling back after Thanksgiving. uh, This was, uh, I don't know if it's this year was the first year or last year was the first year with with giving uh, Springfield Public Schools and a lot of the surrounding schools did the same where we got the entire week off of school and so many were headed out this week and just now are working their way back or getting back in. Um, That was our situation. We flew out uh, to Chicago. For those of you from Illinois, there are parts of Illinois that are incredibly boring. <laughs> and we skipped all that. <laughs> we skipped all of that and just went to uh, Chicago. So flew into Chicago. Uh, Bianca and uh, Cicely from Chicago. Uh, so so they, they uh, know all about what Chicago is about. Many of you have spent time in Chicago. There is a uh, there's, a, there's some really great things you got to check out first place. I, I, I asked a few people who are in the know, what is the best deep dish pizza in Chicago? Um, and I won't say what my kids thought uh, because it doesn't matter what they think. I enjoyed the deep dish pizza. Um, they, they, when you say pizza, I think kids have a specific thing in mind for what pizza is, and deep dish pizza is, in some people's minds, not real pizza. But we went to Lou Melnati's. Okay, good. Yeah, no, that would have landed way different in Chicago, um, because that is the, well, one of the big pieces, uh, places to go. We've we been told to check out Gino's and, and Giordano's or whatever, and and Lou Melnatis was very, very good. It was close to where we were staying. We were staying right in the loop uh, downtown, which, which was super fun. Um, we did all the museums. We did the Field Museum, saw Sue, the most complete T-Rex in the world. Um, that was cool. Then we went to uh, the Museum of Science and Industry, which was, which was very cool. Um, then we went to the Shedd Aquarium. We did not see the sharks. We stayed as far away from the sharks as possible. And then we went to um, the Adler Planetarium. So we did the whole museum scene. Then we went down to Millennium Park and we went out to Navy Pier. All the stuff you gotta do when you go to Chicago. And it was, it was just uh, super fun. Then Thursday, we went up. Uh, my brother very kindly drove down from Kenosha, picked us up, uh, went up to spend time with family and eat with family on Thanksgiving Day, uh, watched the Cowboys win, and watched the Packers win, which was awesome. Uh, with, uh, that's, that was enough reason alone, because I haven't had too many of those this year. And so, uh, But it was fun. And then we flew back in yesterday and got in yesterday afternoon, well, late afternoon, early, I guess you almost into the evening. And I told my kids, man, if that flight gets postponed or canceled, I'm just going to call Pastor Dylan and say, hey, buddy, you're preaching on Sunday morning. Welcome back. Uh, we didn't even see them till this morning when we came in and saw them here at church. And and just a great reunion. Our, we just, we love them and we miss them over this last month as they were on sabbatical. But it is, it is good to have them back. It's good to be back ourselves. Now we just need a youth pastor. <laughs> one day, one day, one day. It's going to be awesome. Um, but for us, you can't experience, of course, all that Chicago has to offer in three and a half days right? Like you just, you can't. You fly in, you kind of see it go around, and then you fly back out. For us, we, because we flew in, we did not rent a car. We took public transportation everywhere, which was in some ways the best education on Chicago you can get. There were some things we loved. We love, I mean, one of the things we love is, is um, just just going to a place where there's just a tremendous amount of diversity. We just love that. And it gives us opportunity for plenty of, of conversations as a family. Um, but then as much as you see the good things in Chicago, you also see some of the brokenness that when humanity gets together in a massive way that you see, right? And so for us, it also drove deeply home how much we love. Springfield. We love Springfield and it is good to be back. Today we are uh, launching into our Christmas season. Our our Christmas series begins today. In spite of the fact that we don't have any of our trees set up on stage, we're not yet decked with the halls, the deck all hands on deck your halls. At praise is this week all of our small groups are coming and helping set up trees and different ornaments and and the trees on stage and getting things prepared for actually the Christmas season. But for us, then, we're starting this Advent series um, today in spite of the fact that the, the decorations for Christmas are not going up until next year. Or next week, not next year. Next week, next week. Uh, so this week, actually, starting tomorrow, all those, all those things are going up. And, and yet, so we're kind of in this, like, in-between which is is perfect for an Advent series kickoff. Because really, that's in many ways what Advent is about. If you haven't, if you're not been around praise and you don't know what we're talking about with that, as we lead up to Christmas, every year we do, at least for the last several years, I should say, we do a series um, on Advent, which is just about the expectation and the waiting and the hoping and the looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ as we remember and expect and think about Jesus Christ's first coming. And so today you have communion. We are going to take communion about halfway through the sermon, just so you know. If you're like, oh, I think they might have forgotten. No, we haven't. That's going to be right in the middle of the sermon. And so have that prepared. Make sure that you're ready for it. Um, because that's really what the communion's about. As much as we're talking about an advent, the expectation of Jesus Christ's return is also about, is what communion is about. It is about what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us and what that means for our expectation for the future. And really, Advent is just a really, it's just a quick rundown of the whole season of Advent. For those of you who've not been a part of an Advent series before, um, there's really four themes that are a part of Advent. One is hope. That's today. Um, then there's uh, peace. there's joy, and there's love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Those things that really surround the Christmas season, those things that are what, what for really centuries the church has stopped and paid attention to at this time of the year in advance of Christmas. And so even as we talk through Advent today, we are going to be talking about Hope. Specifically, we're going to be talking about overflowing hope. Overflowing hope. And I think it's perfect that we're in between as we're not yet decorated for Christmas in the lead up to as we talk about hope and especially what it means to overflow with hope. Last week, I was thinking about really this whole year, because I think up until Thanksgiving, it didn't really get real for me, but now all of a sudden it is, how quickly 2023 went by. I don't know how many of you feel the same. Some of you do, maybe some of Some of you are like, man, this was the longest year of my life. I don't know. For us, we kicked off the year by going to Israel. We took 35 people from praise and and families and, and headed to Israel right at the beginning of the year. And that feels like it was so incredibly long ago. And then at the same time, it feels like this year just absolutely flew by for me. And so like the fact that all of a sudden now we're past Thanksgiving, we're into the Christmas season, it's like 2023 is coming to an end and we're looking towards 2024. And, and even as I think about this kind of straddling the year or getting ready to wrap up one and start another, this is the moment where I think hope is so incredibly important. And there was a verse this week that as I was reading, I just came back to as, as a prayer. And, and that's because it is a prayer. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So last week we wrapped up the series on the Holy Spirit, and we read the end of Acts, where Paul is in Rome, and he um, uh, is—it says that nobody stops him from preaching the gospel. In fact, it's clear that the gospel is unbound, like it is moving even as Paul is supposedly arrested, yet he's talking to whomever wants to talk to him, and he's sharing with them Jesus Christ— And you can see that this is is like a moment where the the gospel continues to move forward in spite of the fact that it's the end of Acts. And and Paul's in Rome specifically sharing the message of Jesus because he does that everywhere he goes. And this here is the prayer that he prays over that church. Now, it probably was before he even went to visit Rome that he wrote this. And, And yet this is the prayer that he prays over this church. He prays. I I want, I, may God, I pray that God, the, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit when I read this this week just as part of my reading I, I thought that is the verse that is going to kick off this series I think it's perfect for a lot of reasons number one I'm kind of sad to leave the Holy Spirit series behind right and yet the Holy Spirit's a part of this verse he prays that they would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit or through the power of the Holy Spirit so it's kind of like it's kind of like the Holy Spirit still gets to be a part of the of everything we're doing, right? Like, so for me, this is kind of like a patch. Like, if you're trying to quit something, like cigarettes, let's say you're trying to quit smoking, and you're not, like, the nicotine's too important to you at that point. It's too important because you've had it for so long, and you don't want to give it up, so you put a little patch on Right, So that's what this is for me, is we're moving on from the Holy Spirit series. And I'm like, I don't want to move on from the Holy Spirit series. Um, the, the Holy Spirit's a part of this verse. And so it's like a Holy Spirit patch that I get this week. So it's kind of getting me through because the first hit's free. But then after that, you got to like know that the Holy Spirit has to be a part of everything we're doing. And He is. He is a part of the hope that God is offering to you. It, It cannot happen apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So if there's an area in your life where you're like, man, I'm missing hope in this particular area, seek more of Him. Seek more of Him and allow Him to do that work. Inside of me, inside of you. So, but even as I think about 2023, and I look back, and I wonder why it went by so fast. I think part of the reason why it went so by so fast is all of the stuff that's going on, right? Like taking on a new school thing is is a big deal for me. Like going back and, and doing the doctorate. Like all of a sudden, now I've got these additional deadlines outside of the things that are happening here at Praise. That I have to hit deadlines on, and so then during the summer, especially as I was hitting assignment after assignment after assignment, like it was always just get to the next one, get to the next one, and then all of a sudden it's over. (coughs) Excuse me, summer's over, we're into the fall, and then we're starting a new class, and it's all beginning again, and so things moved faster. There And then as part of that, we're also, this was a year of transition for me. Like I released some things here at Praise Assembly that for the longest time I was in charge of. And I had to let go of those things as part of transitions and, and people stepping into new roles. It was a necessary step for praise to continue to move forward. But that includes with it some of those things that I used to be a normal rhythm for me knocked me out of those things. And so 2023, I guess, as I was looking back on it, like there's all these ways that it just seemed to go by so fast because of good things, because of difficult new things, all of the things that go into it. And then at the same time, there are some areas in 2023, as I was reflecting this week, not to be depressing or whatever, but there were some areas in in my life where there's some things where I could tell that God was saying that, that needs... That's the end of that, right? So there were certain areas where I felt like God was saying, okay, tie that thing off, it's done, right? And leave that behind. And it was a good thing or it was like an okay thing, but it just wasn't something that he wanted to continue or it was time for me to release that to somebody else to take over. And then there were other things where in my life, just being totally transparent, where God hadn't told me that, But for whatever reason, I've kind of lost hope for it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, there's certain areas, not all in general. Like, I have such a hope for my future. I have such a hope for what God is calling us to. But then there are these little things that are things that maybe I've been praying for for a really long time. Or there's somebody specifically that I just see the same cycle over and over and over again. And I just... I believe they were going to see a breakthrough, and I haven't seen that. Or there's some area where, in my own life, there's just this cycle over and over and over again, and I, I, it's like, honestly, it's like I've lost hope in that one little area. God hasn't told me it's time to let that go, or it's time to close that off, or it's time to tie that up and, and leave it behind. And so it's not like it's at an end, but at the same time, it feels like it's dead, does anybody know what I'm talking about with something like that? Yes. Okay, good. I'm not alone. I'm glad because I'm not glad for that. That would be terrible. But, but that's a, it's a tough spot to be in and, and not to know what to do with that. Like, as there's an area in your life where you're like, should I continue to hope for this? Should I continue to be praying for this? Or is it time to let it go? Because when God's clear and it's time to let something go, you just let it go. That's done. It's not going to happen. It's time for me to release that. But when there's not clear direction on that, and yet you've got hope, you are a person of hope, that there is some area where maybe like you're having trouble keeping hope as a part of it. Well, the thing about this verse is it is... About overflowing hope. And I, I love this verse, and I've preached on it before because it's such a great verse, and I think it's a great verse because it's Christmassy, and so it's a great verse to kick off Advent with because it's got like three of the themes of Advent right in it, right? It's got joy. This one thing has hope, joy, peace, trust. It has confident hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, this is This has Christmas written all over it. This is the kind of verse that when you read it, it should speak to you of Christmas. Because this is the story of Christmas. Christmas is about hope. It's about creating hope in in us. And so this verse has hope, joy, peace, trust, confident hope, Holy Spirit. Three of the four Advent themes are in this one verse. But then as it talks about overflowing hope, that's the one thing that I've always kind of wondered about. What does overflowing hope look like? And in the past, I always thought that overflowing hope was about having hope that overflows to other people. And I think it's true that that's a part of what overflowing hope is. But I think overflowing hope also is about hope that spills from one area of your life to those other area of your lives as well. Does that make sense? I'll, I'll kind of share you some verses that'll show it in just a little bit. So even as we're coming to the end of 2023, and I look towards 2024, and 2023 was like some areas where I feel like, okay, there was no advancement. There was tons of advancement in other areas. Great things happening. Things moved quickly because like I was just trying to keep up. But then there's some areas where it just didn't move forward. Things just stopped. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. What do I do with that, God? What do I do with that? Do I keep hoping? Do I keep praying? Do I keep seeking? Or do I need to let those things go in 2023? So that's the first thing that's going on, even as I'm reading this verse. The next thing is as I'm looking forward to 2024. Now, 2024 is an election year, a presidential election year. The last time there was a presidential election was 2020. And I remember in 2019... I got up in front of this congregation and I said, I do not have much hope for 2020. And somebody came to me afterwards and said, I can't believe you said something so depressing. And then 2020 came. And I still haven't gotten an apology from that person. You know who you are. Yeah. But... I'm not going to say that this time. But anytime there's an election year, a few things are going to happen. The price of gas is going to go down. It's going to. That's just what happens. But tensions are going to go up, right? And every election cycle, the same thing happens. This is the most important election in the history of the United States. You're going to hear that, right? And the accusations from either side against the other side have gotten more and more egregious every time. Like at this point, everybody's accusing everybody of treason. Like that's the level we've gotten to in this country where we're just so hateful towards each other. And so as we're going into 2024, and I'm not saying I don't don't have hope towards 2024, but I know that 2024 is going to be a rough one. Okay, I just know that it is and I know that in the midst of all of that God is doing incredible things here at praise He is doing incredible things right in our area. He is using us in awesome ways There is a difference being made in our circles. I know there's one in mind Like I know God is doing good things. I know that that's the case But at the same time as I look towards the future and I look towards the past as those things are being straddled as we approach Christmas this year We have advent And we have this theme of hope. And then we have this verse where Paul prays this prayer. And I thought, this is my prayer for me in Christmas 2023. May I be, uh, may God, the source of hope, fill me completely with joy and peace because I trust in him. And then I will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I decided to pray that over myself selfishly. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said, and you probably should pray it over praise as well. So then I started praying. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is an incredible prayer. Paul prays for one thing to happen, which will affect something else. He says, may you be filled with peace and joy, all peace, completely filled with joy and peace, and then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. An incredible prayer. And he really bases this prayer on three things. He bases it on three things that are actually in chapter 15 of Romans There's three legs to this table that he puts hope on top of. And they're really in every fourth verse. It's really interesting. Verse 4, verse 8, and verse 12. Each have some leg to this table that Paul puts hope on top of. First, verse 4, he says this. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope... And encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. As we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled, the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. One thing I learned about this week, well, there's lots of things I learned, but this last week was what it looks like to wait patiently. Just so you know, before this week, this is crazy. I t- told Liz this, and she d- I don't think she believed me at first. I had never ridden a city bus before this week. Right? And, and so, And this was also the first time that we've ever flown in and not rented a car or driven. We love to drive. We drive everywhere. Like, whenever we go somewhere, that's what we're going to do. We don't spend a lot of time out at the beach. Like, that's not for us a vacation. But this was the first time we flew into a city and then kicked it around that city. And so there was a lot of firsts as part of this. So it was our first time flying together as a family. It was our first time um, riding the subway or there it's called the L, the elevated track train or the elevated train, the L. And it was our first time, my first time especially, on a city bus. And every one of those you had to wait for. You wait for this, you wait for that. And it all started on Monday. We were supposed to fly out Monday at 1247. So we get to the airport. And Springfield Airport, you don't need to get there that early. Come on, it's pretty small. And I'm telling, I'm telling Claire and Asher, I'm like, man, it's not, it's not that big in Springfield, but O'Hare is much larger. You're going to need to stick with us and, and all of that. And, um, and so we get to Springfield. Everything's going smoothly. going to fly out at 1247. But I started noticing as we're approaching that, that a lot of the things that are normally happening as you're approaching the departure time were not happening. And so I'm like, something's off here. And I could tell. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching, and I'm watching the plane, and I'm watching the people at the counter, and I could start seeing conversations happening. And I'm like, something, is, we're, we're not going out on time. And then on the screen, it changes from 1247 to 1:47. Delayed. It's the only one that's delayed, our flight. So I'm like, oh, boy, well, that's not good. And actually, I think at first it was only 30 minutes. And then we waited another 15, 20 minutes, and then it moved to an hour. And then we waited another 20 minutes, and it moved to 2.47. And at this point, I'm like, oh, ooh. And I look out the window, <laughs> and they have the cover off the engine on our plane, and there's a bunch of guys out there working on it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I went and I talked to the person at the counter, and I said, so I see, you know, we're delayed, and, and they had been trying to get people through, and if people had connecting flights, how that was going to affect them, they were changing everything. And they said, yeah, we've got a sensor that that went out on the way here from Chicago, and and um.'" And so, uh, yeah, we're gonna be delayed a little bit. And I said, okay, that's, that's fine. Could we, could we get some snacks? And I just asked, right? Because it doesn't ever. I went out to chat GPT and I said, hey, when you're delayed at the airport, what you, should you ask for? And it said, snacks. So I went up and I asked. And, and they had this huge cart that they rolled out for everybody and had water and snacks on it. It was, uh, we we're like, okay, it's all right. It's not a big deal. We're just waiting. It's not. It's not And then I see them close up the engine, and I'm like, okay, that's good. But then I see the pilots get off the plane. (laughs) At that point, I'm like, all bets are off. Like, this is not looking good. So I go up again, and I talk to them, and they they said, yeah, we're going to have to bring it back to the hangar. And we had some other friends who were there, and they were in first class, and they, you know, I guess got extra information, who knows, but they came up to us afterwards, and they said, just so you know, um, we were just talking, and they said, most likely this flight's going to get canceled. And we're like, ah, are you kidding? Because it had moved from 2.47 to 3.47, and then 4.47, okay, so... And I, I said, are you seriously? And they said, yeah. And they said, as soon as we announce that, there's only one flight left tomorrow with any seats on it. As soon as that happens, um, those seats are going to fill up. And so we're like, all right, well, that'll be fine. Um, and so we, I go up and I ask them to move our flights to the next morning. Um, We called a friend. Again, you know who you are. And they came in, they picked us up at the airport and brought us back home. And then we flew out the next morning. As soon as we got home, we were watching the flight and they moved it back from 347 to 347, or 447 to 347, and it went out. So we just didn't wait long enough, right? Like, if we would have just waited a little bit longer, we would have still gotten out. But we weren't sure we wanted to because then we'd be walking around downtown Chicago. Which, again, that was a, an exciting kind of thing. But, but the whole waiting thing is tough, especially when there is not a promise that it's actually going to be there. Right? Like, if, if you're sure that you're waiting until 1247, you can wait two hours. And if you're sure it's at 1.47, you can wait an additional hour. And if you get snacks, you can wait till 2.47. But when you're not actually sure that anything's going to come about, then you've got no assurance and there's no like maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen, and, and then you're just waiting, and, and that whole time, it's just full of angst, and if I'm full of angst, then everybody in the family is full of angst, and so, so it was just kind of like one of those things where we're like afterwards, I wish we would have waited a little bit longer, but now as we look back on it, it, it's not that big a deal, so, but we ended up flying out Tuesday, everything was great, but then we had to wait for a subway, and then we had to wait for the bus, and then we had to wait on the bus, because it takes to get three or four blocks, a half an hour, like... That's just the way that this whole week went, and, and that's okay, and it's hard, but it's okay if you have something to look forward to, if it's actually going to happen. Well, what this verse in 4 is saying is this. When waiting patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled, you can look back and see in Scripture how God has been faithful to the promises he has already made. So if you see that he actually does what he says he's going to do, then the waiting today is not as, as hard because you know those other promises were fulfilled. In other words, he says, Christmas is about this. Christmas is... God doing what he said he was going to do. And so as you're celebrating Christmas, what you are celebrating is the fact that God is good to his promises. In fact, he says this again in verse 8. He continues on with the same thought. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. That's why Jesus came. At least part of it was to fulfill the promises that God had already made. And if God is good to those promises, then we know he's going to be good to the promises that we are waiting for too. Right? So in that waiting period, we look back at scripture and we see God has been faithful before, which means that he's going to be faithful also in this as well. He came to show that God is true to the promises he made to the ans- uh, their ancestors. Jesus in a manger shows that God who made a promise for a Messiah will fulfill that and he is true to our promises too. Paul continues verse 12. I'm just going to skip down to verse 12. And in another place Isaiah said the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the gentiles. And they will place their hope on him. They will place their hope on him. Paul here is quoting two verses or two passages in Isaiah. Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 11. Both Christmas passages, actually. In fact, we'll read both of them in the next couple of weeks. Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 11. But even as he quotes those, he says that because of that, they will place their hope on him, they will push their hope in on him. While we were up in Chicago and driving to Kenosha, my brother very kindly came down, got us, drove us up, and so I was asking him, "Hey, what's going on in Kenosha these days? Like, what's the what's the things that are happening in, in Kenosha? Like, how, what's the feel of Kenosha?" Um, Because every city feels a certain way as things are happening and stuff. And so I wanted to know what's going on right now. And he said, well, right now they're doing a big push to get a casino in Kenosha. And this is something that they've been pushing for like two decades now and trying to make happen. and, And every time it gets voted down. Well, they're making one big push again to try to see if they can get a casino in Kenosha. And so we're talking about that. And I told my brother, I said, you know, that's one of those vices that never got a hold of me. Gambling is just not something that for whatever reason I've ever, ever had any kind of affection for. Same for him and and for me, like before Christ, like I never gambled. Like there were other things I did, but gambling was never a part of it. I never had like a deep desire to gamble until I got married. And then Liz, no, I'm just kidding. So (laughs) the one thing that we've ever done, just so you know, this might be impeachable. I don't know. So we'll find out. The one thing we did was when we went on a cruise, and on the cruise, they had a casino. We used to play poker, by the way, but that was with fake chips, not like money. Anyways, all right, so on, on, the, on the cruise, that was all maybe a, impeachable, I don't know, but on the cruise, they had a casino, and so each of us got a roll of quarters. She so got a roll, I got a roll, $10 each. And we went down to the casino, we didn't do slots. I've never done a slot in my life, never pulled one of those things, money come, never done that. Um, But we took the, I don't know why, okay, sorry. Some of you know that all too well. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I love that feel. No, I don't, I don't have that. Like there's no dopamine hit for me going like that. Okay, but we, you know what we did do? And I think it started before the casino on the the trip. They have those things with the quarter machines where you drop a quarter in and there's a bunch of quarters inside the machine and there's this little shelf that goes back and forth and it pushes quarters off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Okay, so we each got $10. And I think one time when we were at a, the Springfield Fair, at the, at the Green County Fair, we had seen one of those machines and we messed around with it and we did it. Okay, So we go to this thing, and each of us gets a $10 roll. I put in that $10 just over time. Every now and then it pushes some quarters off. But I watched as that $10 roll of quarters kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And then it was nothing. But every now and then you got a little bit of a hit of dopamine, right, as it kind of like pushed a few quarters off and you got a few back. And you're like, ah, I'm rich. And you still only have $5. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so... um, that's like the only thing we've ever done. Both of us lost all $10, and we went on our way and, and didn't go back to the casino. Um, but still to this day, I probably shouldn't tell you this. <laughs> still to this day, when we go to Incredible Pizza, there's just tokens. And we put tokens in those machines. Like that's, well, actually, we don't, you use the little card thing, but When we go to Incredible Pizza, we do the same machine. That's the only, like, we don't play any of the other, we play a little bit with the other games, but we'll play that one game. That's the one thing for us that's kind of like gambling. And the entire time I'm doing it, I'm looking around to see if there's people from praise, like, (laughs) I don't want to lose my papers. That's it. But for me, and the reason why I think that gambling has never gotten a hold... It's because I've never won anything. Like, if you win something early on, that's the people where it gets their hooks in them, right? Like, then for the rest of your life, you're, like, trying to win again and win again. And it's like, that's where it gets the deep hooks in you. And I never got a dopamine hit, really. Like, we never went away with anything. So that never got its hooks into me. But this verse reminds me of one thing in particular, at least the one that I've seen in the movies, is the roulette wheel. Where like they spin the roulette wheel and the marble bounces around and it lands on a number. And everybody beforehand lands on a number and a color. And everybody beforehand pushes their chips onto one color or another or one number in particular. And if the ball lands on that number, then they get the huge payoff. If it lands on any other number, they lose it all. I think that's how it works. I don't know for sure. But that's kind of what I think of when I think of this verse. When it says, they will place their hope on him. It's like we're taking all of our chips and we're pushing it onto Jesus. That's really the verse and how the words come across. We're putting all of our hope on one number. We're putting it all on one. And if it doesn't land, we got nothing to show for it. And what this is saying is... When you push everything in on Jesus, it lands. And the thing is, nothing else does. Job chapter 8 verse 12 says, some people take their hope and they put it on something else. And it compares it to leaning against a spider web may be pretty, may be beautiful, may look like it's going to do something, but the moment you lean against it, it's gone. And that's what Job chapter 8 verse 12 is talking about. It says, man, they take their hope and they put it on something that cannot hold weight, and the only thing that actually can is Jesus Christ. And so for them, they take their hope and they push it in on Jesus, right? And that's What the Bible talks about with hope for us, even as we do communion here. I'm going to have you grab your communion right now. Part of what we are doing is we are remembering what Jesus Christ did, right? Like we're looking back at the scriptures and what the Bible says that Jesus was going to fulfill. We see that Jesus actually fulfilled those things. So now what we do is we push our chips all in on Jesus. Like we got no other hope. And if it doesn't land, then we're in trouble. But we know that it will land because we have seen how God has been faithful to his promises over and over and over again. But the thing about communion and really the thing about Advent is that it's not just about remembering. If it were just about remembering, then we could stop and we could just think about the past. But the whole point is that this is something that not only looks backwards, it also looks forwards. That there is a hope of something in the future that is anchored by what has happened in the past. Even as Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians, which is the passage we always read, and I will in just a moment... A we always read when we are taking communion, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death, what? Until he comes again. So there's two sides to this thing. There is the past and what he has accomplished already. And then there's the, the future and what he said he will do. For us, And in this, we are meeting those things together. We are remembering and we are hoping. We are looking forward to the future. And what he said is waiting for us. That's what communion is. And so even as we take communion today, I want to remember the past. And I want you to remember the past. There's no music playing, and there won't be. I want you to remember what Jesus Christ accomplished for you. I want you to remember how the grand story of God sending Jesus Christ, his son, for humanity affected you in particular. I want you to remember when you accepted Christ or when you were baptized. I want you to remember the moment when you realized that you needed Jesus. Just remember... The moment when you realized you had no hope but in him. Remember the moment when his sacrifice became the sacrifice for you. Remember what he has accomplished. Remember his sacrifice. And I just want to take a moment and do this. Not standing, just sitting right where you're at. Not music, no sound. Just you remembering. Take a moment. Close your eyes if you want to. Keep your eyes open if you want to. Bow your head if you want to. Keep your head not bowed if you want to. But just remember, what was it like when Jesus Christ became yours? When his sacrifice was made for you, not just the world? Think about that. Hold that in your mind. Now picture your future. Not the future of 2024. Not the future of Christmas 2023. Not the few weeks to come or the things you have to accomplish. Or all the events that are happening and parties you have to go to. But look towards the future, the big future. Look towards the promise that God has made that to be absent from the body is to be present with him. Look towards the future where he said, I am coming back. And when I do, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Remember the past and look towards the future. Now take your cup. If you would, open up the side that has the bread in it. There's two sides one has bread, one has juice. Take out that bread and hold it in your hand. Then once you have the bread out and you're holding it in your hand, take the other top off. I always kind of shove the other top right underneath so it all kind of stays in one. (laughs) Works really good for me. Okay, holding the bread, holding the cup. Let's take a moment and thank him. God, we're kind of in between here. We're in between what you have accomplished and what you will accomplish. We're in between the past and the future. We're in between assurance and trust and faith in what you have done and the hope and the promise of what you will do. And God, what you have done speaks to what you will do. And in our lives, right in the middle of that, it has overflow. It impacts other areas of our lives. And So God, I just pray that even as we take communion, for those who are in this room right now, I pray that you would speak to us right at the beginning of this Advent series. And as we take the bread and we drink the cup, God, today, I just pray that you would help us to be deeply anchored in the present by the past and the future, to not lose sight of those things that you have called us to participate in. And for others who might feel the way I feel, where there's areas where I just haven't seen movement in 2023, Lord, I pray you would speak to those for us as well. Help us to know what you have for us in those areas, whether it's time to let them go or if it's time for us to press in help us to just know. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you for your blood spilled for us. Paul said, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup Of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's take the bread and the cup. Romans fifteen thirteen. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, who is the source of hope, will fill you with joy and peace, and you will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit with hope. Let's talk about what it looks like to overflow. First, we don't really know. It doesn't tell us exactly. But what I do know is how other things overflow. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 actually tells us what it looks like for love to overflow. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy. Sorry, that's not it. Sorry, verse 12. I was reading verse 13. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. So overflowing love means that as God has loved us, then obviously that overflows to other people. So there are some ways in which overflowing affects the people around us. But then there are other times when um, overflowing actually affects us. Like Colossians chapter 2 verse 7 says... Let your roots grow down into him, Jesus, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness in other words faith overflows with thankfulness so something where god does something in us it overflows in us in a different area so as our faith grows then we're like oh man god has given us everything and the result is gratitude it's thankfulness but then second corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 actually says that it overflows to affect others and us at the exact same time second corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 says Um, They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So the joy that we have overflows with generosity, which impacts us, but it also impacts those around us. In other words, I guess what I'm saying is that when hope is overflowing, it is impacting every area of our lives. But it should also impact every other person around us as well and that's not even talking about other things that overflow Zechariah 9:17 says prosperity overflows Jesus overflowed with compassion in Luke chapter 7 verse 13 so there's this thing where God does something in our lives and it affects other areas of our lives but it also affects the people around us so let's talk about hope in our future cuz I, I don't have any question about what God has for us at the end i don't That's real, it's solid, I have it. What I need is hope in a very specific area over here that I don't have hope for anymore. I'll just be open and honest. I've been praying for this thing for a really long time. I've been praying for this other thing in someone else's life for a really long time. And I've lost hope in those things. I have hope for my own future. I have hope for what God is going to do in the end. I have hope for what is ahead of us. But now I need that hope to overflow from that into this area. And to overflow from that into this area. But I also need that hope to overflow for someone else that I just know is, I just can sense off of them that they have lost hope. I've got these two areas and a person that I need all to be impacted by the hope I have for my future. So how in the world does that happen? Well, let me share with you what my hope is for the future because this is actually the passage that Paul quotes in Romans chapter 15. Back in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. This is a Christmas passage. If you read the first couple of verses, I've preached on this passage before. It's such a great passage talking about what it's going to look like in the end. But specifically, it says Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie together, and the leopard will lie down with the baby goat, and the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. And the cow will graze near the bear, and the cub and the calf will lie down together, and the lion will eat hay like a cow, and the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. No more division, no more hate, no more war, no more terrorism, no more enmity, all gone. That is my hope for the future. So how does that hope for the future overflow to this situation and that situation and that person? let me give you three ways I think it overflows. Number one, because I don't see how it would otherwise. One, this passage tells me what God's character is like. That in the end, this is God's vision for humanity. This is it. This is his hope, that enmity and war and terrorism and division and hate would be gone. The promise of Scripture is and speaks to this future, which speaks to God's character. Which means this other area where I don't have a specific promise for I don't have a verse that says this thing's gonna happen, or this is gonna change in 2024, or this is gonna move, or that's gonna move, or this person over here is gonna be impacted. While I don't have a specific promise for those things, I do know based on God's promise for my future what his character is like, what he wants to bring things to. And that is that if it's not yet reached an area of perfection, that God is not yet done moving in that area. So in this thing where I don't have a specific promise for it, I do have God's character for it. And in that way, my hope in the future is overflowing into this area. Right? God's character is, is evident in that, and it's evident, I know, in this. And he will keep working there, even if I don't see it, okay? So that's one way in which my hope for the future and God's promise there overflows to other areas as well. The second is this. I see in this passage that God is bringing these things about, but he is also asking me to participate in bringing those things about. I can't do the big thing, but by his Holy Spirit... Because right? that's where this hope is coming from anyways, the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave his spirit to help bring his kingdom here. And we will never see this until God does a miracle. But in some ways, we will see it as he uses me. In every situation I step into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in some way, that situation should move closer To this. So, I don't have a promise for this other thing. But I do know that I have the Holy Spirit, and everything I'm a part of will keep moving towards that thing. So, in that way, my hope for the future is overflowing, not just in this one area where I don't have a promise, but it's also overflowing in this area where I don't have a promise. So, there's God's character. And then there's my purpose. But then third, there is his timing. His timing. And his timing is perfect. And that's what Christmas speaks to me, right? God's timing was perfect when Jesus Christ came. You know, I hear people say, and I've said it before myself, that the 400 years leading up to Matthew chapter 1 was a time of silence, that God wasn't doing anything during that time. There was tons of stuff that was happening during that time. Tons of things that God was turning over and doing work in. There was things happening that brought about the perfect timing for Jesus Christ to come. And so in this other situation where I've got someone that, man, I just know that right now they feel hopeless, that I keep reminding them of the fact that it's, there are things that we may not see now, but as we wait patiently, his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect.